Well, my name is Hazel, if we haven't met, and it's lovely to be with you this morning. I wonder whether you've, um, how recently you've had a complete verbal download when you have got everything off your chest, and it's maybe it's someone you know really well, someone you know is for you, it's been unfiltered, it's been vulnerable, it's been honest, maybe accompanied by snot and tears, that's definitely been my, my experience. Maybe, you know, after you've sort of actually been really, really honest with somebody, it's made you feel so much lighter and better, and you feel like, oh, so glad I got that off my chest. And I wonder what the ingredients are in that person that you shared with that made that possible. I think for me personally, when I'm able to really share and have a complete outpouring on somebody else, it's because I know I'm going to be heard, really heard in all my honesty. I know it's because I'm going to be shown empathy by that person. And I also know they're not going to be judgmental and they're going to show me unconditional love. And I, I think that if one of those ingredients is missing, it's really difficult to share completely honestly and have that kind of down, download on somebody. And often when we've shared, we have a little bit of vulnerability hangover where we think, oh God, I wish I hadn't shared that. I feel really embarrassed. Brené Brown in her book says, in the, the, the book, The Gifts of Imperfections, a stunning book, says, belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. And in order to really belong in a relationship and bring ourselves fully, we've got to come without any falsehood, any veneer, any pretense, and really bring ourselves fully to be accepted by that person. Because otherwise, if we come with any pretense and we don't fully bring ourselves, we're always going to have that slight nagging feeling if they really saw what we were like, if they really saw how we spoke to our kids, or they really saw you know, some of the bad stuff in us that they would reject us. When was the last time you had a very honest, real, complete download, unfiltered with God? Maybe it was in prayer week. Maybe you're really able to do that all the time and it comes very naturally to pour your heart out to God. But maybe it's a bit harder than it is to share with somebody else. God totally loves us. God is full of empathy, compassion, mercy. We live under his mercy and he wants to hear us and meet with us when we pray and when we pour ourselves out to him. This morning we're thinking about the relationship in our final um, talk on prayer. We're thinking of the relationship between prayer and worship and how worship really helps us to pray and, and prayer can kind of fuel our worship. So there's three things I want to talk about this morning. And the three things are, worship aligns us with God's nature and will, and that helps us to pray more confidently. Second thing is, worship helps us engage holistically with prayer, so we don't just pray from our heads, it's not just a cerebral experience. And the third one is, worship is a context where the Holy Spirit is present, and the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. In 1 Samuel 1, we meet Hannah, who was somebody who couldn't have children, and she was deeply anguished and kind of um, tormented by this. She, she prayed the most real, gritty, honest prayer you can imagine. It says that as she was praying, Eli the priest observed her, and she was praying, kind of, you know, she was praying, but no words were coming out. And Eli thought she was drunk. 
and it's maybe a story familiar to some of us. Where the Holy Spirit was enabling to her pray, enabling her to pray from that really deep place. She was yearning for God, desperate for something. And she says this when Eli accuses her of being drunk. She says, "No, I am a woman who's deeply troubled. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. I've been praying here out of my anguish and grief. But that pouring out to God is what Hannah was really able to do. And it says she went away." In the, in the Bible, it says she went away from that time of prayer and her face was no longer downcast. Something about pouring out our souls to God in prayer that is really liberating, really good for us. It's what we were designed to do. And then out of that place, she, she receives a child and she prays this beautiful, it's a song, Hannah's song. And she says this, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies. For I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. That is a sort of song that's full of truth, full of declaration of who God is, what God's done. It's a kind of overflow of her thanks to God and her love for God. And for Hannah, it kind of looks like her lifestyle was, I don't know, but it looks like from her praying, the way she prayed, the way she worshipped, it was kind of marked by authenticity, kind of gritty, honest, kind of anguished prayer that came out of the depths of who she was. And then her worship came out of that place as well, all around the character of who God is, who she believed him to be. That's why she could come and say, please, God, give me a child. And then it was the overflow of worship afterwards. I think that when we're talking about song worship, worship carries us into the presence of God. And the presence of God changes everything. It shifts us. It moves our perspective. We can see God for who he is. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It reveals, he reveals Jesus to us. In Psalm 108, David is another person in the Bible who wrote most of the Psalms. And he is someone who knew what it was to pour out his soul to God. In Psalm 108, he says, My heart of God is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. The Psalms are beautiful <laughs> prayers, um, and they're, they're worship to God. If I can't pray, or I find praying really difficult, or it feels hard, feels a bit come to it, a bit cold. If I can't pray, then I always worship. It feels a bit like sort of lip balm, you know, to dry lips or hand cream for dry hands. It sort of acts as a, for me, it acts as a softening agent. And I think that's what God has designed worship to do, that it, it softens us. Sometimes you might get to church and, you know, it's sort of been a bit fraught. I know it can be for us, a bit fraught getting here. And then you sort of need a bit of sort of warming up in your spirit, you know, sort of arrive a bit like this. And then you sort of, you know, worship and think, oh yeah, I remember. I remember why I'm here. Worship is good for us, you know, it's good for our spirits, it's good for us to worship and lift up the name of Jesus, what we were designed to do. Um, during COVID, I, I've told this story before, but I had a, a, a moment um, in one of the lockdowns, I was walking our dog in, in the woods, and it was raining, and I was crying, I think, I was praying, well, I wasn't praying, I sort of couldn't really pray, but I was trying to pray, I was sort of, you know, calling out to God, I think I was praying in tongues or whatever. And I had some worship on, and a worship song came on in my, in my ears. 
And I had a moment of revelation and clarity that I hadn't had for a, a long time during sort of the, the COVID time. And a song came on and it said, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. He's still keeping all his promises. And it was just something in, my, in me was like, yes, that's true. It's okay. And I, I sort of worshipped. I was singing. Not many people around, thank goodness. I was singing really loud, shouting. And then from that place, I was able to pray and really like go for it. Um, but it was because something lifted in me. I aligned myself with the truth of who God was. Um, in worshipping. Sometimes it feels like our spirits are willing, our spirits are in us being, we really want to worship because that's what our spirits were designed to do. So kind of part of us that is desperate to worship, but our flesh is a bit like, oh, not really in the mood or don't really feel like it. Worship songs are like Bible meditations in another form. They are, well, the good ones are. There are lots of possibly not such biblical ones. Um, but all the great songs are full of declarations straight from the Bible, the truth of who God is, just through scripture, through Psalms, through verses, the ones we've just song, sung this morning before the throne. They're kind of outright plagiarism, really. They're just shifted, taken from the Bible and put to, you know, put to lovely music. Um, and, you know, they, they reveal who God is to us. And we sing those things we hear ourselves singing them. We hear it with our ears. We declare them to the principalities and powers. And it does something. It makes us kind of come back into alignment from a week that might have been really difficult to say, oh, yes, God, this is who you are. I'm choosing to put you in your rightful place. And the Psalms are kind of ways in which we can do that, expressing to God what we often find it hard to express in our own words. Now, I have a question for you. What do you think... God is really after. Have a little think. What is he after from you? What does he actually want? Correct answers, if you're, it's a rhetorical question. Correct answers would include things like, oh, God wants our surrender. God wants our lives. God wants all of us. God wants our obedience. And yes, absolutely. But I think that God is ultimately after our hearts. God is after your heart. He's after your heart, all of it. We hear about David who has an undivided heart. So give me an undivided heart so that I may fear your name. David was called a man after God's own heart. And he wants our hearts, but ultimately we're after his and he's after ours. And worship is a place where we're able to give our hearts to him. That's that song, isn't there? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. It's a declaration of something that we kind of can't voice, but worship helps us to voice that. So what happens if you're here this morning or you actually find sung worship a bit like, you don't like it, you don't like singing, you're not that, you don't like music that much, you don't connect with God in that way, or it doesn't really shift your perspective, or you don't really engage? Well, I would say that worship is obviously, we're meant to worship with our whole lives. We know that we're talking specifically about sung worship this morning. But I'd encourage you to just engage with the words, the truth of what the songs are declaring, like that hymn we've just sung, the truth that when Satan tempts you to despair, upward I look and see him there. This is, is something about the words that can kind of lift us. And I think, you know, you need to ask God to speak to you in those times. You might want to be silent or quiet. You don't have to sing, but it's about a kind of openness to letting the truth of those words um, change you, meditating on. Maybe it's somewhere in a, in a, in a silent place. But maybe we all need to grow in our worship. Maybe it's a choice. Maybe it's a sacrifice that we just 
we do because we're called to be worshippers. We're created to worship. It's who we were made to be. It's the highest, most worthy call in our lives, I believe, is to worship Jesus with everything we are. And everything else kind of flows out of that place. And our lives reflect who and what we worship. I believe that's so true. So like Hannah, as we meditate on who God is and we, you know, we recognize he's a rock, he knows everything. It will be the most natural place for our prayers and our petitions and our kind of, yeah, everything to flow out of that place. We'll have faith that God is good, that God answers prayers, that that's who he is. As we come to pray, we kind of have got hold of the truth. It's like when you read the Bible, you know, you get hold of it and then it, it influences how you live, but how we pray. So the second thing, worship helps us to engage holistically with prayer. So we don't just kind of pray from a, our heads in a very cerebral place. We're not just spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings, but we have bodies that might be in pain. We have brains and minds that might be a bit addled or anxious. We're relational. We, you know, we, we have relationships that might not be quite right, and, and we need to, and that's kind of bothering us. All of these things are part of what it means to be fully human. And as we worship, we can bring ourselves completely to him, including our bodies. I'm doing a, a Beth Moore Bible study at the moment. It's, it's brilliant, on the Psalms. And she says, before, we st- before you do your Bible study in the mornings, she says, get down flat on your face. And she's not talking about a kind of like a sort of very Christian bow. She's talking about literally your face planted on the carpet. So you come away with sort of carpet marks on your head. Um, and actually, there's something about the posture of falling face down before God that has been really profound to me, actually. Listen to these verses from David in Psalm 42. It says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night. While people say to me all, all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. It's talking about tears, talking about his whole life coming before God. Quite often when we have worship, we will say, won't we, put your hands out. It's just a sign that you are willing to, you know, be open to what God wants to do. There's nothing, it's a posture, there's nothing magical about putting your hands up or putting your hands up like this. It doesn't, it's just expressing with ourselves, actually, God, I want to worship you, I want to lift your name high. Or, God, I, I, I give you everything, I literally need you so much. It's kind of expressing something internal but using ourselves um, to, to posture ourselves before God. And through church history, you know, people have knelt to pray. I, when I sort of pray for people, do my sort of intercession in my time, I, I actually, yeah, I do, I kneel. I kneel and I, and I cry out to God for different situations that I'm praying for. But I, I kind of kneel recognizing, a bit like when I'm face on the floor, something is trying to express to God what maybe my words can't do adequately. I'm trying to kind of show him that I want to, yeah, I, I really need his breakthrough. And I humble myself, you know, before him. I think your heart and your spirit can go places that your head can't. I think that music can be very anointed. It can do something in us that, again, just brings us to that place of surrender. David, in the Old Testament, was called to play his harp and his lyre for Saul, who was deeply anguished and troubled, you know that story. 
and him playing his harp, his lyre, it soothed Saul and it took away that sort of anguish and that it changed the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere, because music that is worship to God is anointed with something in it. So worship helps align us with, the, with who God is. We bring ourselves completely to God in worship so that we can pray, use, bring our whole selves to him. And thirdly, worship is a context where the Holy Spirit is present, helping us to pray. So we experience the presence of God when we come together and worship, we experience the gifts of the Spirit, the, the prophetic. We just experience, um, yeah, the, the gifts of the Spirit helping us to pray. We see an example of this in Acts. In the early church, it's Acts 13. It says this. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. It's interesting that prayer, a context of prayer and worship together and the Holy Spirit propelled them to mission because that is what is on God's heart, is mission, is going out, is being outward, is loving those around us, is talking to people and sharing Jesus. Actually, that's the mission of the church. The church is also described as a gathering with lots of different vocal contributions where kind of hymns, revelations, different things are shared it all happened in the same context. In 1 Corinthians, it says, um, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word or instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. I would say here at Woody's, we place a very high priority on sung worship and worship times and on prayer. And I don't know if you were here on Tuesday night in, during prayer week, and we had a brilliant time of prayer and worship, where again, we experienced the Holy Spirit. We were inspired to pray. We did some sort of praying out loud. We did some spiritual warfare. We prayed in groups. We had, there was the, the gifts of the Spirit were there. There were some prophetic words, what God was saying. And it was all in that context of prayer and worship working together. It's powerful when we pray and we worship in the same context. We found it quite hard, I oversee the prayer here, we found it quite hard sometimes to get lots and lots of people to come um, to prayer meetings. Uh, and it might be because it's quite early in the morning, uh, but I don't know, but they have been in the evening. And, but we find it much easier to gather people for prayer and worship. And I think it's because prayer and worship are two sides of the same coin. They're kind of interlinked. They go together. They, are, they fuel each other. And that's what I want to be. So that's the kind of person I want to be and I want us to be. Are people who worship and pray with equal passion and equal measure, giving all of us to God in, in worship, but also being able to pray in an unfiltered way and really honest way, bring ourselves fully to God in worship and in prayer. So my encouragement to you when you find prayer difficult or dry, I would, yeah, really encourage us to immerse your heart and your mind in worship. Lift up the name of Jesus and remember who you're praying to and let your prayers be your worship and let your worship be your prayers. Let them fuel one another that our worship fuels our prayer life and our prayer life fuels our worship. They work together so beautifully. So we're going to go into a time of worship now, a time of extended worship and 
I wonder what I said at the beginning about kind of pouring out your heart to God, if that's not something that comes really easily to you. It doesn't always for me at all, because there's so many things holding us back from being able to give ourselves fully. The Bible says in Psalm 139, it says, search me and know me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me and know me. That can be our prayer this morning, that God would search us and and really we would feel known and seen and heard and loved by him. We live under his mercy and he wants to hear our prayers. He wants to receive our worship. It's the highest calling on our lives. And we need to be able to bring ourselves fully like Hannah did, like we can sometimes with a friend. Jesus is the friend, the best friend companion for the journey, the one who is really wants to hear us and meet with us in that place of worship. God sees and knows us and does not reject us because of stuff we've done. That's the baseline, but he welcomes us, us with open arms. And God is after your heart, ultimately, and we want to be after his But he wants all of us. And I think we can't fully have that intimacy and that relationship with God where we hold stuff back. Because he knows it anyway. So maybe this morning, uh, your worship or our worship might be a bit of a sacrifice. It might be a bit of a choice to just enter in and worship. But I think the choice to worship really pleases God. And worship is good for us. (laughs) It really is. It's good for us. We need to expand our capacity to worship. Maybe your worship this morning might need to be a place of sort of surrender. You might want to kneel. You might want to just, in the silence, just open your hands again and just say, Jesus, I, I want to worship you. Help me. Help me worship you. Help me pray. Jesus said, you know, and the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Help me to worship. Help me to pray. But our worship this morning might be out of the overflow of, you know, it might be a place of complete kind of, yeah, abandon. And that is a wonderful joyous, beautiful thing. So, yeah, I just want to encourage us as we come to this time now, just to bring ourselves like Hannah, pouring out our hearts fully to God, that, yeah, he knows us, he's ready to receive us, and he loves our worship, and he loves hearing our voice. The bit in Song of Songs that says, your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. <laughs> but that's how God sees us. He loves it when we pray, and he loves it when we worship, even if we feel like we're a bit like this. I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us and open us up again to him.